Wonder, wonder, wonder. Welcome back to Senora Vibes. I'm your host, the Alicia E. Senora Vibes is a spicy lifestyle show celebrating the dynamic experiences of women 40 plus. According to ChatGPT, Senora Vibes typically refers to an aura or demeanor that gives off an elegant, sophisticated, and mature vibe, often associated with older women or senoras. It's about carrying oneself with confidence and grace, exuding a sense of wisdom and experience. So if this sounds like you, come embrace your Senora Vibes with me, and let's explore together our Senora era fearlessly and excited. Ready to feel inspired and empowered? This week, I have the honor of bringing you a woman who has been my Latina Wonder Woman for over 10 years as the investigative journalist on Inside Edition, my ultimate favorite warrior, Lisa Guerrero. Lisa and I dive into what it takes to build a strong sisterhood, how to prioritize personal well-being, and embracing our self-beliefs as Latinas. Lisa shares her journey of courage, resilience, and the importance of female relationships in her life. Plus, she's offering a special discount on her book for our listeners. Don't miss this bold and uplifting episode. So, Lisa, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You know, my podcast is for women 40 plus. We call them señoras. You know, it's a Spanish word for women who are mature, who are, you know, experienced, intelligent, sophisticated. They're worldly. They want to see so many things. And so that's where my podcast has come around to be in four years. Um, and I'm so proud of it. And I just want to bring on women who inspire me, but could, who could inspire other señoras as well. And so welcome to the podcast, Señora Vibes. Thank you so much. I was excited to be here, Alicia. Thank you so much. I love Señora Vibes. What a great name. Thank you. Thank you. And so you know what? You know, when I was thinking, okay, how do I introduce myself to you so we've known each other I guess for a few years and I think one of the themes of your book which is being bold um, and being courageous and that's something that I was in 2015 2014 before um, you came on to my boutique to sell your to to do a book um, launch of your book jewelry for your table which I loved and so many people loved it but I think that was one of those moments where I said oh my god that's that was when I was bold. I was courageous. I asked Lisa Guerrero, who I've been looking at every single day at 3.30 Houston time, you know, for her inside edition. And I just said, you know what? I just love her and love her, her, her personality, her spirit. I'm just going to ask her to come and do her book at my boutique. Ugh. Like whoever gave me that courage. <laughs> Oh, it was, it was so great to have you ask and to reach out to me because honestly, you know, that it's, it's connecting people through books and arts and crafts and, and my investigations that yes. really drive me, that make me want to do my job every day. And so when you reached out to me, I believe we coordinated a time when I was going to be in Texas yes. for a story and we were able to work around your schedule and my schedule. And I was able to, to be there and, and it was, it was amazing. And I was, I applaud you. 
or <laughs> stepping out of your bubble or your safety zone to do something brave, yeah. which is what you did. And it worked. Right, right. Because I think so many of us see people on TV and they're unattainable. They're not approachable. They're not people who we can like say, hey, I admire you. I see what you're doing. You know, kind of how I saw you for so many years before I asked you to come to Houston. Um, someone who was inspirational, someone who stood out, you know, amongst others. And I said to myself, you know, if I could be inspired by her, maybe she's open to 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 reaching her fan base, which we have a ton of fans here in Houston, by the way. And I think you noticed that when you were here, um, who yeah. love you and follow you and see what you're doing, chasing these crazy bad guys, um, investigating for for women or people who don't have means to 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 get actual justice. And I think that's something that you you definitely do. And inside edition, I think, you know, that that persona in itself is something that really is attractive to us. Thank you. And I I feel so privileged to be in a position to have the platform of inside edition where five million viewers a night or a day, depending on when it airs in your community, five million people see me yeah. every time I, I have an investigation and then 12 million on our YouTube channel. So I feel like every time they see Guerrero, my name underneath yeah. my reports, it's a reminder, even if it's subconsciously to the rest of America about what Latinas can do, what we can achieve, uh, that we are more than whatever their background or their notion is about Latinos. I think that, you know, seeing me pursue justice is something that that subconsciously works on them to broaden mm -hmm. the possibilities of who we are and how seriously we should be taken in this country. Yeah, and I feel like nowadays um, we, I think it's really starting to change. I think we're really starting to take on our power again and definitely, you know, demand that we're respected more, uh, demand that we're paid better. Um, definitely, you know, because I, one thing about Latinas, and this is what I tell my husband all the time, we're going to be resourceful and we're going to be persistent and we're going to be stubborn about what we want. And you're not going to hold us back. There's nothing that's going to hold us back. And when that happens, I think that is like so powerful. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. And, you know, the women that I know in my family, you know, that, that came from Chile and my, uh, you know, my extended family and the women that I've now met through, through my stories who are Latina, I think they, they have a commonality that is strength, that is courage, that is bravery. I was lucky because my last name Guerrero means warrior. Yeah. So it made perfect sense mm -hmm. for my book to be called warrior um, because I believe that it stands not just for me individually, but for an entire culture of women who uh, who fight, who have to fight every day for their families to make a living, to make ends meet, to find justice, to find each other and to have a sisterhood. And so, you know, the, the name was very intentional. It wasn't just my mother's last name. It is who we are. We are right. warriors. And, and it's amazing the reception that the book has had specifically from Latinas. Yeah, and I think that's something that I've definitely, when I follow you on Facebook, I see the people that post on your on your comments. And and the one thing that always like resonates with me is like how much you inspire other women to to go after what you want um and to definitely pursue it with like 
with with like the energy that you have when you pursue people um one thing that I definitely struggle with is like an imposter syndrome like who am I yeah. you know to ask Lisa Guerrero to come to my store and be in my boutique and and present her book to my to my people like who am I to write my own book even though I did write a book about my daddy and I like who am I like that's something that's just so pervasive in the community but I feel like the more of us that are out there doing it like yourself as well we're able to to get through that imposter syndrome that a lot of times holds us back. Yes. And, you know, that's really interesting that you mentioned that because I uh, was fortunate enough to be asked to be the keynote speaker at the Society of Professional Journalists Convention, their national convention in Las Vegas uh, last winter. And first of all, I think a lot of people were surprised that a journalist from Inside Edition was asked to speak in front of these hundreds of established, very well-known uh, journalists from the New York Times, 60 Minutes, you know, ABC News, and PBS. And I think that at first I was, uh, I was so surprised, but I was also proud of the fact that I was being asked to deliver a keynote. And in the keynote, we talked about imposter syndrome and how I felt like that is the one thing that really can hold us back is yeah. feeling that we don't deserve a seat at the table. And I'm here to tell you that not only do you deserve a seat at the table, you deserve a seat at the head of the table. You know, it's it's so yes. important that we think of ourselves as deserving. We are Americans. We're hardworking. We are accomplished. Um, we are ambitious. And it's okay to be ambitious. And for women, that A word yeah. is also considered a little bit, oh, oh you know, oh, you shouldn't say you're ambitious or yeah. aggressive, awesome. you know, but, but yeah, it is. And I'm sorry to say that we have to lean into that to be successful, not just for ourselves, but to show other people that we belong here. Yeah. And I think it's so important that you mentioned that the word ambitious is, is one of those words where, you know, I have mentioned that word in, in a few situations and a few conversations and, and I think people kind of are taken aback, like, really, you're going to say you're ambitious? I said, yeah, I am ambitious because I do pursue things that are outside of my realm, outside of my comfort zone, but I feel like I could do them, you know, that I feel like I can actually accomplish something and go, get out there and become ambitious. And I think it's so important that we just stand up for that and stand up for those 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 moments where you know, I've had situations where I've sent out an email to somebody and then like five seconds later, I'm like, oh my gosh, I should have not sent that. Like, who am I to think that, you know, I need a, a feature in this magazine or, or or this newspaper article. And then in my in my head, I have to think, I have to, you know, calm myself down and say, you know, you, you do, you really do need to pursue that. You really should be doing that. And I think that's one of the themes in your book that I really resonated with is every time something came to you and it was a challenge you took it on you did not uh, hesitate or or think or in the book it didn't seem like you hesitated it seemed like you said you know that's an opportunity I'm going to figure it out how do you how do you approach these challenges Lisa so part of the themes of the book is I mean I look like a confident person on this picture on the picture in the back confident, strong. Yes. Um, but I wasn't born that way. I wasn't always brave. So the arc of the story that I tell begins with my childhood and losing my mother when I was eight years old. 
And um, the the loss of my mother when I was so young, when she was 29 years old, really uh, set me back. It was a traumatic experience. And that experience made me uh, shy, scared. Um, to grow up without a mother, to me, was it seemed impossible. How could a little girl get through life without having a mother? Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was only 29 when she died. And that was so young. So, you know, I started my life in a very um, inward, uh, uh, I would say, um, fearful bubble. I was afraid of everything and everybody. But slowly I began to practice being brave by emulating brave people I saw on TV, like Wonder Woman, like the Charlie's Angels, the Bionic Woman, police woman, the Avengers. And I I would play out these scenarios in my, um, in my bedroom where I would be chasing down the bad guy and being brave and fighting for justice. And because I practiced that. Is that like a form of visualization? It is. And I didn't know it at the time. It is exactly visualization. visualization. And more than that, besides just visualizing it, I got it into my body. I was physically doing these actions as a child playing that later and not too long later, just a few years later, when my brother was bullied and attacked, I jumped into service of him to go and save him because I had practiced it. I, because I practiced being brave, I became brave. Mm -hmm. Okay. So practice makes perfect. And I believe that bravery is like a muscle. Mm-hmm. And it's something that if you strengthen it every day by doing small acts of courage, right. tiny things, you can become more brave over time. And so when I figured that out as a kid, I said to myself, that's the ticket. That's mm-hmm. what I have to do. I have to get out of my safety, my my safe place. And I have to try things that are uncomfortable and even dangerous. And when I accomplish those things, then I become more brave, like the warrior that I was meant to be. Yes. I think it's so important that we definitely um, take on every single day a little challenge. And that's something I definitely took from your book is every day I will take, you know, one little step into doing something that's going to, you know, make me feel a little bit more courageous or brave, you know. And so if it's either sending an email to somebody to sponsor my podcast Or for me, it's, you know, reaching out to someone who um, means a lot to me and I want them to mentor me or answer a question for me. Um, It's those little things that we can do for each other and like do for others. And the other thing that I I wanted to mention about your book is how important female relationships were for you as you were growing up, especially since you have since you didn't have your mom um, and, and you sought those female relationships in your life, and they became quite instrumental for you, as you faced so many different, you know, career um, transitions and challenges for yourself. Tell us about that. So because I didn't have a mother, and I didn't have sisters, and my extended family were on the other side of the country, or in a different country, I, I really had a lack of female uh, connection. And I craved it. And I, I, I craved not only having female connections, but connections with women that were Latina, 
because of my mother's voice and who she was. She was, you know, she moved to the United States from Chile when she was just a teenager. So she had an accent and she had that style and I'm wearing her jewelry today from South America. And so I, I craved this connection. I craved this identity and I looked outward to try to find it. And over time, I was able to collect a group of friends and mentors that are women who have acted like my sisters and my mothers and my grandmother and and my daughters now, now that I'm older, right now that mm-hmm. I'm 59, I don't, I don't have children, but I've collected young women that to me, I mother. And I found women that are older than me that mother me. And mm-hmm. so it was up to me. I felt like it was up to me to find my female family. And I did. And it has changed my life because women are so nurturing and strong and beautiful and, and courageous and centered right. and and have an ethical an ethical compass that i think men lack sometimes and so yeah. that that female strength and power has has really been crucial in my life but it's up to all of us to find it we can't just say oh i don't have a mother mm-hmm. you know or i don't have sisters or i don't have friends that is your choice to not have friends go out and find a tribe find things of commonality that you can share with other women if you move to a new community, if you have a new job, it takes effort and it takes courage. courage. It takes an act of bravery to reach out to women. Would you like to have lunch? Can I meet you for coffee? Can mm-hmm. I talk to you outside of work? You know, and, and that is, that takes courage. And, and the answer will, will not always be yes, you know, and that's okay. Yes. Move on and find your people, find the women that, that need to be part of your sisterhood. And as as you're saying that, I'm thinking about the young women that reach out to me by email and say, can I just have a chat with you? And can I just be mentored by you? You know, or can I just have a talk about this or that? And I always write back to them. I'm like, wow, you know, good for you for reaching out and looking for me and seeking me out and asking me if it's okay to have like a coffee with you to talk about your future or whatever it is that you want to do. And I give them that time because that that little bit of courage that it took her to write that email to me or send that text message to me is super valuable because when I know what it takes for me to reach out to somebody like you or somebody who's, you know, at, a, at another level where I want to learn or want to be more like them. Um, and that all of that, that it takes, like, you know, all the doubt and like, you know, writing it and then like you're reading it and like maybe I misspelled something. Like you're trying to find some excuse in your text or your message to not send that out because you don't feel worthy of that person's attention or time. And so when they do that, I say, yes, let's get together for lunch. Let's get together for coffee. What do you need for me? Let, let me give that time to you. Um, because women relate and and instead of being competitive, which is something that I noticed in your book, it wasn't competitive, it wasn't nasty female relationships, which, which are so common in reality TV. Now, it was so um, comforting, it was nurturing, like you mentioned, it was collaborative. And that you know, that's right. It can. And I'm glad you mentioned that. Because um, earlier, when I, my ex husband was a baseball player, and he and I are wonderful friends still to this day. Thankfully, I write about that in the book. But when he was playing baseball, I had an offer from a reality show to uh, to be one of the leads in a new show they were taping called Baseball Wives. Oh, And I said, 
I don't want to be a part of a show where the women are competitive or negative about each other. I, I don't want any drama. I don't have drama with my real girlfriends in my real life. And I don't want to be a part of any kind of scripted television show that pits women against each other. Right. I think that's toxic to put out there in the world. And at first they promised me, oh, no, no, you'll be the one that mentors other young women. But as we got closer and I learned more about the show, sure enough, they rescinded that. And they said, well, you know, we do have to have a troublemaker. We do have to have these different characters. And I said, no, I'm sorry, I can't participate. So I turned down a lot of money and an opportunity to be on national TV as a lead in a mm -hmm. reality show, mm -hmm. because I didn't want to be um, sending messages to young women or any women that it's okay to yell at other women and to have yeah. these negative portrayals of female relationships. Um, I'm so glad I didn't do that. So um, yes, in my book, I intentionally write about how, how important women are in my life and how important we should all be together. But interestingly, when my book came out, the only person who was really negative about my book or the book's message was a woman. And oh. her name's Michelle Tafoya. She was a mm -hmm. sideline reporter that was on yeah. Monday Night Football after mm -hmm. me. And she was really, she just said the most insulting, horrific things about my experiences. And, you know, that to me was, was the most shocking thing. And of course, uh, people came out of my defense and, and I think she really regretted I'm mm -hmm. having gone down that road, mm -hmm. but, but I, I, you know, it still always um, shocks me when women don't support other women. You know, I, I'm always surprised by that. I, I do everything I can to support other women. And, um, but we have to be aware that, yes, there are some people out there that haven't gotten that memo and we, you can't win over everybody. And if there are toxic people in your life, toxic mm -hmm. friends, even toxic family members, yes. you need to remove yourself from that. And that's also your choice. And that's something you should be working on every day is to not allow toxic people in your life because they're out there, but you have, you can choose to surround yourself with love and support. Yeah. And I think that's one of the traits and one of the characteristics of women in our age now is that we've we've encountered those experiences and we now have that ability to say you're not part of my life anymore i don't want you a part of my life anymore you don't you don't add anything to my life anymore at this point lisa have you ever have you gone back to chile and like looked for your family your mom's side of the family and like reconnected with them by the way so yeah thank you great question when i was younger we went to chile as a family several times um, and even after my mother died, we went back there again to connect with cousins and great grandparents, et cetera, and to see where my mother was born and okay. where her father, who was a tailor, where her father had a tailoring shop in Santiago. And so through the years, and as I've gotten older, I've gone many times okay. and I, I'm looking forward to going again now that I'm older at 59. So the last time I went was with my ex-husband, um, maybe about seven or eight years ago. So I think now, as I as I get older, I want to collect more uh, stories about my heritage. Writing my own book was really important for me because I was able to to tell my own story about my life. Now I want to go back and find and meet the people who gave my mother her experiences in South America and her father and mother's experiences. So I, I want to continue that narrative. I want to continue, even if it's just for myself, 
I want to do some more research and find out about my family and their heritage and how they got to Chile. So um, I, I look forward to that. And you know, Chile, in fact, has, and I go back and forth with my accent, as you can tell, yes. um, <laughs> I, 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 um, I'm so proud of the heritage of literary Latinas, like Isabella Allende of course, yeah. and uh, Pablo Neruda, right? And people yeah. from Chile that share their stories in poetry and in novels. And I think there's a magic to that specific country and the way they tell stories. Yes. And I think now that, I, that I've written my book, and I'm a huge fan of Isabel's, so I, I, I have now realized that a big part of my book is part of that Chilean narrative mm-hmm. about how women talk about our stories. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, at some point I, I need to, and I need to be brave like you are. And I need, <laughs> I need to reach out to her and say, you've inspired me. And, and through reading all of her stories, I feel like that was kind of in my subconscious when I wrote my story. So there is that is. magical element, the mysticism. Well, it's, it's part of that ancestry. And it's yeah. all tied in and it's all weaved into your family history and your life. I know as I was studying Spanish here in, in Houston and I was at the university, the one thing that all of our Spanish teachers said is they said, listen to Chileans and how they speak Spanish because their Spanish is so elevated and read Chilean authors. Like that was the one thing they recommended every single time. It wasn't Colombian. It wasn't Spanish. It wasn't Mexican. It was Chilenos. Like read those books and learn and listen to their dialogue and the way they express themselves. Like that was one of those things that was just, it always stuck with me. And I always also sought out, you know, books by Chilenos and Chilenas that I felt you know, resonated. So it is part of your ancestry, Lisa. And I think it's all kind of tied into who we are as as people. Um, you know, for me, this this new season of the podcast, I'm doing some episodes in Spanish. And I just did one with my daddy, where I do one just all in Spanish, a little bit of English at the end with him. But that was something that I wasn't brave enough to do, because I wasn't raised in a Spanish speaking country. So I didn't feel comfortable. But I just thought, you know, I'm going to do the best that I can and I'm going to do it from my heart and I'm going to speak it from the best place that I can. And I did a whole episode with him last week in Spanish. It was in Spanish. And your dad is an instrumental person in your life. And like my dad was for me as well. Did he ever feel, you know, like he was, he was not comfortable with the fact that you changed your last name from his last no, name oh. to your mother's last name. I mean, that is something yes. so many men in patriarchal communities are, are so offended by that kind of thing. What did your dad say? So my dad is from the South, right? He is uh, white and he was yes. born to Salvation Army officers at, that worked in the Appalachian Mountains. They were very poor, rural. He grew up in Kentucky, Um went to college at Asbury and wanted to become a social worker. And he went to University of Chicago to get his master's degree in social services. And that's where he met my mom because my mom's family, the Guerreros, had um, immigrated to Chicago. And so he met my mother who spoke very little English and he spoke no Spanish, but they fell in love. They spoke the language of love and they got married. And so my, my father was embraced by my mother's family. He was close to them. He was beloved by them. 
And so I think my father felt like the Guerrero side of the family was his intended family. Mm-hmm. And he loved them and embraced the culture. So when I got older, after my mom died, and I realized that I, I connected more with my Hispanic heritage than with my English European white heritage. And I had a talk with my dad about it. And I said, dad, you know, I love you. You know, I love your family, but I feel connected to the Guerreros. And I look in the mirror and I see my mother, you know, Mm -hmm. the the Cole side of the family have blue eyes. They're from England. They're very, um, you know, they're very fair. And right. so I, I, I've never connected with them the way I connect with my, my Guerrero side. So I said, would you be offended if I changed my last name legally wow. to my mother's last name? And he started crying and he wow. said, your mother would be so proud of you. Oh, she would love that. And I love that for you. And so he, he's so proud of it. And he is, you know, he was the first feminist that I had ever met, you know, he calls himself a feminist and he did going back to the seventies, call himself a feminist. He's a social justice warrior. He's very progressive and he's very proud of, of me and what I've done. And, and he's, he's proud. So I dedicated my book warrior to him. And in fact, on the dedication page, Mm -hmm. um, it says the other kids felt sorry for me because I didn't have a mother, but I felt sorry for them because they didn't have my father to Walter Coles. And so I'm proud of both sides of my heritage. And as Americans, that's what we are, right? We are a blended culture. We are a mosaic of of people from different cultures. And and that should be celebrated. And going back to something you said earlier, Alicia, about not being uh, confident about speaking in Spanish. I think we have to have a conversation in our community about what it means to be Latina and why we tend to be so judgmental about yeah. other, other Latinas that don't speak Spanish or don't speak it well enough or right. weren't born in Mexico or Colombia or other, you know, South American mm-hmm. or Central American mm-hmm. countries. You know, we need to stop judging ourselves and others about being not Latina enough. Yeah, I'm here to tell you that we are stronger together. And the more women and men we invite into our tent, the better and more powerful we are as a voting block, as a right. business community, as a population, as a group. We need to start saying, no, uh, I'm not going to let you tell me who's a Latina or not. If you identify with us, you are with us and we embrace you and we love you for that. Yeah, and I think that's the part that I'm like really um that I'm really embracing this year for 2024 is I'm not going to let uh you know that that little doubt in the back of my head tell me like you're not good enough to speak Spanish or let somebody say hey you shouldn't be doing that because your your Spanish is so not like up to the level and just being this doing the Spanish that I do. And it's, it's a girl who was raised in Houston, Texas by Mexican parents. And that's just who it is. And so, um, when beautiful. I, it's beautiful. Epi- yeah. When I ended the episode with my daddy, I said, daddy, did you think that my Spanish was okay? He goes, your Spanish is great. You should always be speaking Spanish. So I said, you know what, if my daddy is saying, go for it, do it. 
I'm going to do it, you know, because that's who he is. He's such a cheerleader of mine, and he's always been my cheerleader since I was a young girl, and that's how I also gravitated to you. And your father has gorgeous photos, so if anybody wants to go to Lisa's Facebook page, you always post the most beautiful photography that your daddy does, and he just went through a big um, surgery a few years ago, and he came out stronger and just more vivacious. Every time I see him in pictures, I'm like, oh, my gosh, he is just the the picture of strength you know we talked about i went to church uh with my dad yesterday and took him to lunch afterwards and we talked about you know he's 85 and i'm 59 and um you know both of our doctors are like wow you guys are so youthful and and you're in you know great health and and a big part of that is genes right genetics um and the guerrero women in my side of the family were beautiful and strong you look so and much like mama yeah thank you I, thank you that makes that's so the biggest much. compliment somebody can give me but my dad and i were talking about you know longevity and aging and he said such a big part of it is being happy waking up with yeah. positivity waking up with things to do today waking up without judgment in your heart waking up uh, with purpose. And if you are purpose driven, if you have that vitality, it affects the it affects your health, it mm -hmm. helps you live longer. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, our, our, you know, the, the boxes we put ourselves in, define us in so many ways, but they can also really affect our, our health. So, you know, when you put that smile on your face, and you do brave things, your body is getting a reaction to that and is understanding that you are vital and you have vitality. And I really think that helps in our longevity. And that's not just a bunch of woo-woo, you know, new age stuff. I actually talked to my doctor about this because, you know, my tests have been getting better. I, you know, my blood tests, my pap smears, my mammograms, oh, wow. all the things you do every year, I've been getting better numbers on everything. And she's like, you know, I think part of it is, is attitude. And attitude helps your health. So we need to be thinking about that as we age. So true. So true. And I think we put ourselves to the back burner so many times. Those of us that are, you know, moms and wives, we are always putting ourselves at the end of the line, you know, as opposed to saying, hey, if the if the cup isn't full, it's not going to pour onto others, you know. So that's definitely one of those important things that I always talk about on the podcast it's taking care of ourselves and self-care whether it's physical or mental it's so important because um if we're not if we're not healthy mentally physically we're not going to be able to be um healthy for our families you know and that kind of thing and and that's something that latinas are just so um so consumed by like we have to be everything to everyone um and so we Put ourselves kind of at the last of the line and that's just not cool because if we do that then we're not you know, doing ourselves a favor and being the best that we can for others. Um, so Lisa, yeah. before we head out, I just want to just ask you, because I know, you know, I, I always follow you on Twitter and you're, you're always adding your, your politics on there. Um, oh, yeah. As a brand, as a person, do you, um, do you ever struggle with putting your personal, like your opinions out there? on uh, on social media like that's something that I'm I struggle with and I'm not bold enough to put like my personal political views on there but there's sometimes that I'm just like oh I just want to say something you know especially in Texas with Greg Abbott and the freeze that we have going on oh there's such a mess there's such a mess going on so yeah. tell me how do you do it 
So I get in trouble sometimes. I, yeah. um, <laughs> I do. I, I write, I, somebody asked me the other day, does somebody run your social media? I write everything that you see yeah. on Twitter, on Instagram. Now I'm on TikTok. Um, and I, I feel like I am privileged to have a platform and I am going to, um, to speak about what I think are crucial um, historical decisions that are happening yeah. right now in this election cycle. And I, I wouldn't be able to look at myself in the mirror if I wasn't able to say, I did everything I could today to yeah. try to help people and to try to get my message across and to try to convince people that, you know, there is somebody out there that is a danger to our democracy. And we have to be doing everything we can, regardless of who your choice is, I know who the one choice shouldn't be mm-hmm. and um, that Donald Trump is really a toxic danger, not just to the United States and to all of our people, but to Latinos. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I struggle sometimes with when I put things out there because I do get pushed back sometimes. And once in a while I get in trouble from work, you know, you've gone too far, yeah. you know, delete that. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, I have to look at myself and I have to say, I want to do everything I can to help people and to help make people's lives better. And that I was gifted this life. My mom died at 29. So I feel like I'm living for both of us. Mm. And she was progressive and she was a feminist and she was strong. Um, She was also a Christian and, but she was a progressive Christian. And so I feel like, you know, my feelings aside, we all um, have to be doing everything we can to try to make our communities safer and better for everybody, not just for the rich people, not just for the politicians, not just for you know the elites, but for everybody in all of our communities. Who is doing the most good for the most amount of people? Ask yourself that. That's a beautiful, beautiful statement. Definitely something to think about as, as 2024 comes around, it's election time. There's a lot of Latinas in Texas, progressive Latinas in Texas that are just working their butt off to try to change things here in Texas and make them more progressive and more women-led and women-oriented um, and definitely taking into consideration the Latino community and the Latinas that are here in Texas. And there's beautiful women out there leading the charge, but um, sometimes I struggle with being a little more courageous and more bold because I I feel like maybe I'm putting myself out there too much and I shouldn't be. And I'm losing some uh, some listeners or some audience members who don't agree with me. But like you said, you know, and this is why I'm so glad that I asked you this question. You, you, you should stand on something and yeah. stand on it and be proud that you stand on it and you know, come with it and come straight forward and, and be proud of of that. Um, For me, you know, being a progressive Latina or being a liberal woman was because, you know, my parents lost their job when they were, you both of them, you know, were very poor and my mother had the ability to ask for food stamps. And I will never begrudge the fact that we were able to have government assistance and I will never begrudge anyone who has to go to government assistance and have the government help us out, you know? So that's kind of where my, my first, you know, inkling going that route. And so Lisa, I just want to thank you so much for being on the podcast today. 
has been amazing. You've been an inspiration to me for many years, maybe 15 years now, I guess, since you started in Inside Edition, I have the DVR ready to go every time. <laughs> um, and I'm so grateful for you. And your book is amazing. I pre-ordered it and I read it and I've shared it a few times on my Instagram. And I tell everybody, if you're going to read a book, you've got to read this one. Like, this is great. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate you. And thank you for giving us that courage to continue. Thank you so much. And if people do want an autographed copy of my yes. book, you can get it on my website, lisaguerrero.com. And yes. I'll just assign it to you and personalize it and ship it right to your house. So I but, love but that. you can also get it. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. You can get the audio book on and Spotify. And if they mention the podcast, Audible. if they mention the podcast, they'll be able to get a signed copy. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'll give you a discount. Perfect. If you mention the podcast, I'll give you a discount. Let's say uh, I'll give you a 20% discount. There you go. Perfect. I love Done. that. Thank you so much for your time and have a wonderful day in California while we're freezing in Texas. Friends, before we go, I'm asking a huge favor of you. Please review the podcast. You can go to Apple or you can go to Spotify. Share the episodes with your friends and support my sponsors. Furthermore, I'd love to connect with you when you visit my website, www.aliciaelatasi.com. Here you'll see that I can help you set up your very own podcast. You'll have access to my curated travel itineraries. Additionally, my caregiver's handbook, something I'm very proud of. There's even something there on creating passive income. Oh, and let's not forget, I can help you buy or sell your home. So check me out at www.aliciaelatasi.com. And remember, the key to anything is execution. <laughs>